Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. TFA fam, welcome back in. It's been a minute, took a little hiatus, but uh, we are back. Uh, Senior Bowl just wrapped up. We uh, went to the Rolodex and brought in the best in the business, Derek Brown, over at Fantasy Pros. You know, over the he was down can, there. Can we clip that? Can we clip that, Kev? Can I can I replay that on a, on a loop? Can we? Can we, I just want to know if that can happen. I need that in my life. Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna say it was AI generated though. <laughs> but so you went down there you did all the dirty work got to watch these guys all week playing and such so first of all how was it how was the trip it's good man i mean look i think it's my third or fourth year in a row going to uh, senior bowl and every year it gets better and better man whether you talk about the experience for the players now and i keep telling people this i'm like this is going to be one of the tent pole events of the off season going to especially this year with Jim Nagy being able to unlock getting juniors there and not just seniors this event's going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing eventually like you know we're going to have somebody of the ilk of Caleb Williams in Mobile and stuff like that like whether it's next year or the year after that you're going to get all these high-end prospects and it's fantastic man the type of access you get in Mobile whether it's getting to interview the players watching them up close at practice and stuff it gives you a different perspective about it. Like over the last two, three years, you know, where I've walked away and I mean, Kev, Cody, y'all, y'all have heard me like the, the Christian Watson year. I'd never shut up about him because I watched him ball his ass off in Mobile. Tank Dell, watching him do what he did. Puka Nakua, even though he left after one day, like a bunch of these guys or whether it's Damian Pierce, Tajay Spears, like these guys show out of these practices and they build that hype and that swell and stuff. And whether that carries them to improve the draft stock at the NFL draft, or you have a different appreciation for it. And there's a bunch of guys that we're going to talk about that after seeing them on mobile, I'm either a little bit higher on, uh, there's different parts of their games that I felt like they were able to show out that maybe didn't come across in the film or their usage in college. It's just, it's always a good time, man. Yeah, so I, I guess let's just start with the quarterback position because I felt mm. like there was, like, two sides of that where I hear some people talk, like, well about, like, Bo Nix and say that they like <laughs> him at all. Then I've seen other people 
say that it was a terrible showing and he, and he didn't look good and he kind of confirmed a lot of things that you saw on film that he struggled with. Michael Pinnock sounds like he now could be like a third round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what did you, I, I guess for you, who are your biggest risers or were there any risers at quarterback and what are your thoughts on, on those two? Cause those two were kind of the, the headliners. It sounds like Spencer Rattler maybe had, had himself the best weekend of all, of all the mm-hmm. quarterbacks there as well in terms of the risers. But what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Spencer Rattler, if you're looking at the quarterback that helped himself the most as far as like draft stock um, and what we could see out of him as far as skill set, Rattler had easily the best week out of it. And for a guy that I walked into the process and I don't dislike Spencer Rattler. You just have to understand what you're getting out of Spencer Rattler. Like the tools are okay. They're not like, oh, amazing. He just has some of those moments where you're just questioning the decision making. Some moments were on his film and and this this transpired even in practices to where he has these YOLO moments and you're just like, what in the absolute hell are you doing, dude? Like, so that's part of his game. Now, can that be a plus in the sense of playmaking ability going outside of structure? Yes. The problem that is though, is that like Spencer Rattler's decision-making kind of waxes and wanes. My best comp for him has been Gardner Minshew with a little bit better arm. You just, sometimes you just, you're literally watching him on the field or you're watching the film and you're like, uh, why did you do that? And that's just part of his game, man. So I think he's a guy that really helped himself. Um, and especially from the outside looking in, knowing some of the preconceptions from media and his history and stuff, you know, we can all remember like, you know, all the, the interview clips way back when, when he was, you know, balling out in college and some of the things he said or didn't say things like that. He was so eloquent in all of his interviews, handled himself extremely well with the media and I think that's part of the process, you know, and maybe that doesn't really move the needle as far as like we're talking about on-field play. But I think Spencer Rattler really, really helped himself as a guy that really probably saw him probably going in like the, the fourth, fifth round of the NFL draft um, as a developmental guy. I think he cemented himself into that fourth round conversation. Maybe a team loves him and takes him in the third round. That wouldn't shock me because – we see more of these NFL teams taking shots on quarterbacks in the middle rounds, hoping to land on, you know, the next Tom Brady, Brock Purdy, whatever name you want to throw out there. But more NFL teams are doing this. I mean, we saw Jake Hayner and other guys go in the middle rounds that I'm not saying they didn't deserve it, but we were surprised at the time. Um, so I think Rattler had easily the best week. But I think as far as Bo Nix and Michael Penix, you could not have had worse weeks than either one of those guys. And I think with Michael Penix, like all of the hype and and you can say the same thing for Bo Nix, all the hype and the the talk of them being first round quarterbacks, neither one of those dudes are going to go in the first round in the NFL draft. And they shouldn't. They they absolutely should not. So if I'm hearing anybody out there in the space talk about, oh, Bo Nix had a good week or he's still a first round quarterback, you, you can just blow that out the door, man. Like just go ahead and because we must have been watching absolutely different practices. Because I adamantly disagree with all of that shit. Because Michael Penix, the, my big concerns when I evaluated him and I wrote up all my quarterback primers for Fantasy Pros are still live on the site, um, is that the arm talent's real, but you also look at a lot of these guys coming from these collegiate systems, and there's there's a bucket of them specifically talking about senior bowl guys that you could put into this whole entire conversation. Joe Milton, Michael Penix. Spencer Rattler um, and uh, Bo Nix, as far as these guys that 
they were asked to operate in quick passing um, offenses, really like predetermined reads, three-step drops, get the ball out of your damn hand. And it's either I'm going to my first read or I'm scrambling or I'm throwing it out of bounds or I'm checking down. And there's really not a fourth option of, oh, maybe there's a second read I should I should go to. Now, some of these guys have other like parts or pieces of the game, like especially Michael Penix. There's a he has a late trigger, man. It's a slow trigger. If he's not getting the ball, like it's three step, boom, three step, boom, three step. Oh shit, my first read is covered. Uh, hmm. And then a guy crosses his face. Oh wait, oh there, there's one. Pew. Like outside of that, he's got some serious problems by getting about processing and getting the ball out on time. And you saw those things transfer to Mobile for Michael Penix. Now you saw flashes of the arm talent. There were two throws that I can remember right off the top of my head. One of them was a an over-the-shoulder throw to uh, Malachi Corley in red zone. I think it was either red zone drills or maybe just seven-on-seven seven, where you're like, oh, there's the arm talent. But outside of that, Michael Penix had a terrible week, man. And, and, then, it, and then he built upon the bad week by not even playing in the game because I think after the week he was like, I've – pretty much hurt my draft stock enough for one week. I'm just going to sit that game out because if I crap my pants in the game, I'm really going to be screwed with my NFL draft draft stock. And as far as Bo Nix, terrible week, horrible week. You talk about a guy that's like an absolute system quarterback in college. If anybody watched Bo Nix at Auburn, that's the real Bo Nix. The, the Bo Nix you think you saw at our Oregon is not the real Bo Nix. That is a system that was designed to make basically he's playing point guard and all of his numbers say that. Whether you want to talk about his A dot, his time to throw, um, one of the lowest deep ball rates in the entire class or much less the, the country last year. So, but when Bo Nix was in Mobile and he's asked to do different things like, oh, read the defense. Oh, hey, challenge, uh, go throw a 50-50 ball down the sideline. Bo Nix didn't do that. He literally challenged, it was him and Joe Milton on day two of who can complete the fewest passes. And people want to talk about, oh, well, Bo Nix had a really good day three and he did good in red zone stuff. I'm sorry. I don't give a shit about Bo Nix hitting a running back leaking out on a wheel route inside the 10. Like Teddy Bridgewater can do that shit. I don't really care if Bo Nix can. That doesn't show me that he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. So if you're using that or other parts of the red zone drills to sit here and prop Bo Nix up because of confirming your priors on Bo Nix, then I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Debra, so for, for Dynasty rookie purposes for, for drafts, who who's your QB four after the top three? And then like I guess in super flex drafts, like when is like the earliest you would consider taking them? Now, obviously we still have to get landing spot and yeah. draft capital and in this mix, but like, I guess just in general, where do you sit with QB4? Who is it? And like, when, when would you look to, to take them? Man, I, I'm so glad you brought that up, Cody, because that's another point that I, I wanted to make during that entire like long ass soliloquy I just had was that JJ McCarthy, who was not even in mobile has cemented himself as the clear QB four in this class, a tier to himself. And I'm telling you all of this, and I haven't even watched JJ McCarthy's tape yet. I haven't even broken him down. But because of the the, the terrible week that Penix and Bo Nix had, they're not even in that conversation. 
Bye-bye. See ya. See Draft Capital. I'll see you on maybe day two, possibly day three of the NFL Draft. Probably day two. I'm not going to get too out over my skis. I think they're round two guys, and maybe some stupid NFL team takes one of them in the second round because that's what NFL teams do. But I think J.J. McCarthy is the only guy that's still in that type of first-round conversation and Superflex rookie drafts. Outside of that, Bo Nix and Michael Penix, I'm going to avoid them like the plague. I'm going to bury them in my rookie ranks. I want people to take wide receivers, uh, tight ends, whatever. Name a position, any position. Take them over Bo Nix and Michael Penix. And the, the, the math on them gets even worse when you talk about just quarterback hit rates and the ability to get on the field, much less not even get a cup of coffee as a starter. But can you be a multi-year starter in the NFL if your draft capital is the third round? Can it be done? Sure, it can be done. But the other thing is there is a lot of stuff that needs to go perfect for a quarterback to outkick his draft capital and be a multi-year starter. And, And we've seen this how many different years, guys? I mean, pick your flavor du jour of the last few years. Garner Minshew, oh, he's going to be a thing. He wasn't. Oh, Davis Mills, he's going to be a thing. He wasn't. Um, who else? Um, let's let's pull out Sam Howell. He's going to be a thing for multiple years. He's not. It just it, it it continues every single year. So if you do take those guys in dynasty rookie drafts, they get the starting cup of coffee for that year. Trade them immediately, immediately, immediately. And I look at both those guys as round three quarterbacks, so I'm avoiding them. Because that type of draft capital, good luck. Well, I don't think there's anything else I'll talk about quarterbacks. I think we've buried them enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just, it was a bad no, I, week, I get man. It. Like, like, the, I'm, the, I'm the, not going to blow smoke up their the ass if they had bad there, weeks. Right? It's the top three. It's it's uh, the conversation is Caleb Williams, Drake May, and, and yep. Jay Daniels, right? So yes, like sir. I get it, um, and so there's I, I just don't feel like there's so let, let's move over to the running back position where it might be hard to find you know a lot of positives with this position too because like this is not the strong position Ooh. that we're looking for especially with how bad the running back position has been the last couple of years we're kind of dying for the, like a really strong infusion of running back talent and I don't know if this is going to be the draft that's going to do it because there is no you know elite level Bijan Robinson I even mm-hmm. I don't even think there's a Tamir Gibbs level player in this draft. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll, something will shake out. I'm sure there'll be some good players from here. I, we, I mean, I can't think of a draft where we haven't had some like usable assets. There will be, but there will be. Yeah. At least from there, it sounds like Marshawn Lloyd is the one that had that really kind of separated himself and really mm-hmm. had and really did himself a really solid service down there. Um, but who who are the guys for you at, at running back that's uh, that really impressed you? Is there an well, Evan Hall that we're going to be hearing about for the next six months that? Uh, you will. <laughs> you will. And Marshawn Lloyd is that dude, man. He looked freaking fantastic. And I, there's two guys from the Senior Bowl, and one of the guys wasn't even there, and he still was a fantastic winner in, in the sense of Jalen Wright. Jalen Wright didn't go to the Senior Bowl because he had wrist surgery, so he's he's rehabbing that, getting ready for the combine, all that kind of stuff. But if Jalen Wright would have been there, I'm telling you right now, he would have had a fantastic week. I freaking love Jalen Wright as a prospect. And – um kev i don't know if you've watched him or looked at all of his his numbers yet or cody um if y'all have but jalen wright's a guy that that the closer we get i think he's going to test well i think he you look at his analytical profile like i mean this is a guy last year who was 
fifth in yards after contact per attempt, 11th in breakaway rate, and 13th in PFF elusive rating. So the numbers are all there. Dude is, I mean, just shot out of a cannon. Uh, but for, uh, I'm only, I can only wax poetic enough on a guy that wasn't even at Senior Bowl, but Marshawn Lloyd distanced himself from everybody at Senior Bowl. I think he had a wonderful week, and I think that he is going to be drafted in the third round of the NFL draft. Um, he will go inside the top four rounds. If he does not go in, in round three, I'm telling you right now, he will go inside the top four rounds. The, the fourth round will not conclude without him hearing his name called. And a lot of this happens or, or has to do with the type of week that he had. So like Lloyd entered this process, like you knew if you watched his film, the guy is a beast on the ground. He runs angry. Like I got a chance to talk to him at the senior bowl and I was like, literally like I, I straight up asked him, I was like, who hurt you, man? Cause you run like you got a chip on your shoulder. You run like you're ready to destroy the world. He he's freaking fantastic. And what he showed, so that's a known part of his game because literally over the last two years, he's ranked top 20 in both yards after contact per attempt, breakaway rate, and elusive rating in each of the last two seasons. So we know the tackle-breaking ability that he has, but the question that he really answered in Mobile was, he is also a, a really good receiving threat. We, and I want to. this is the reason why I'm pushing him up into the round three conversation in the NFL draft is because – we heard various people, whether it was scouts, stuff like that, like that I heard from multiple people down there and I dismissed it when I was, when I first heard it, but then I heard it from multiple people. So you got to believe it after you hear multiple times, but that the coaches and the scouts down there wanted to see the running backs involved in the passing game and to see who could show out. And Lloyd did that, man. Like uh, it was either day two or day three, but he, he closed two consecutive practices with looking like a freaking stud in the passing game. He was dusting dudes in one-on-ones. He looked good on angle routes. He took a wheel route up the boundary and had a basket catch over his shoulder, and everybody in the stands goes, oh, shit. All right. Good job. Let's go. So Lloyd is easily – it's basically – he. it's him – and then there's the whole rest of the pack of dudes. And there's other guys that look good that we could talk about there. But I really want to hammer on Lloyd as a guy that I will be trading into rookie drafts this year to draft Marshawn Lloyd. Speaking of pass catchers, someone I was happy to see that I saw some people talk about as a, as a riser. I, I liked what I saw on film from him and you know the limited game tape that I saw. And it was hard for me to like come away with like any like really sh strong feelings because of where he played, and that is University of New Hampshire's own yep. Dylan Lobby Lobby, however you say his last Lobby. name. But just uh, any any general thoughts on him? Like I said, he's someone I, I liked. I thought him with with what he came in at the what, what he measured in at five nine two ten. I thought that was encouraging mm -hmm. for him. But like I said, it, it was hard to like really have any strong opinions whenever he's out there just busting heads against uh, teams like Monmouth and Stony Brook. So just uh, <laughs> any 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 general thoughts on on Lobby? I think Lobby had. I think it was a good proof of concept week for him. I think he hit a ground rule double in the sense of, I don't think that he helped his stock like a ton ton in that he just proved that he is who he is to me in the sense that I expected him to win in one-on-ones and look good in the past, past game drills. And he did that. 
the part that I question about his upside, like I have no qualms about it. Like, and I, I think he's going to step into the NFL and be a receiving back. He's going to be the receiving uh, part of a committee. My thing about law lobby and the other things that like he didn't answer along the way was, I don't think he's a three down back. And he talked about it, his, his profile, Cody as good as he looked, he's still a one speed guy. He doesn't have a second gear. He doesn't have a home run gear. He's more quick than fast. And so for me, I, I mean, and some of these things I was, I saw in his profile before I went there and when I wrote him up and when I watched his film, but he didn't show me anything on like whether it was early downs. And the good thing about this year in Mobile, and I can say this for being there multiple years, is that in previous years, the running backs were hard to kind of evaluate because you're looking at like the seven on sevens, guys are just flailing. They're kind of playing flag football. They're touching guys like, you know, like as far as like, oh, here's your tackle. Okay, you're down. Play's dead. Like this year, you saw some guys kind of getting after it. And I'm not saying full on like, let's play, you know, round robin, like let's get in the ring and sit here and hit, knock the shit out of each other. Like that didn't happen. But you saw guys were actually tackling and stuff. And we were getting getting a little bit more of a sense of, okay, what is this guy's burst? Okay, can he get skinny? And and you got you saw a little bit more out of the running backs. And for Lobby, I mean, as a guy that over the last two years, I don't want to get out over my skis over a guy that if amongst all FBS and FCS running backs with at least 100 carries, he's ranked 205th and 237th in yards under contact per attempt. So I think he is who he is. He's going to be a passing down back. And um, really, I didn't walk away like in love with him. But two guys that we could talk about, though, that, like, they changed my mind a little bit about. And, I mean, that was Cody Schrader and Ray Davis. Ray Davis had a really damn good week. And the thing – and I didn't get a chance. I wanted to interview Ray Davis so freaking bad, but I, I couldn't find him at Media Day. I couldn't find him after practice. I, I did not get a chance to talk to him. But if you turn on Ray Davis tape, and everybody knows, like, Ray Davis has been around for forever. You can go back and watch 2019. You go back and watch 2020. If you watch those years of film versus 2023, Ray Davis looked like a different dude. And whether that's, like, I think personally, and I got nothing to compare this against, but I think he cut weight. I think he got more serious in the weight room. And I really wanted to, like, pull him aside and ask him about this because – you look at his tape in 2019 through 2021, 2022, and he was he was a volume back. He was more of a grinder. I was like, uh, I don't see a ton. And then I flip on 2023, and I'm like, oh, shit, this dude's got some burst. Like, he's got a little bit more of a second gear. Like, he's got some more shimmy and shake at the second level that, like, if you watch 2019, you didn't see that. And then he goes down to Mobile, and the dude's looking smooth in pass game drills. He's running routes. He looks pretty good there. He had a one-handed catch in seven-on-seven seven where I was like, oh, damn, go Ray. Woo. And so he's a guy that I think, like, vaunted himself from UDFA round six conversation and maybe he sneaks in round five now. And for me, like, you're just hoping for a chip in a chair as far as, like, on an NFL roster and, and giving him a chance to compete and go out and earn more snaps. I think Ray Davis really helped himself this week. And Cody Schrader was a guy that I de I definitively walked into Mobile lower than consensus on. And he did nothing but, I'm not going to say prove me wrong, but show me different parts and facets of his game in Mobile. He was, I'm not going to say that he was explosive or he was lightning fast, shot out of a cannon, anything like that. But Cody Schrader is smooth as butter, dude. Like, 
you whether you're talking about his moves uh, in, in traffic or um, getting downhill, gap runs, like diagnosing and, and having the short area agility to hit the right hole or to make something happen, if the hole is not there for him, he showed that in Mobile, and he also showed that in the past game. His routes were really good. They kind of actually kind of surprised me for a guy that didn't come in with like this great receiving acumen, whether you look at just target share, receptions, volume stats, or yards per route run. He didn't have those stats. So really showing those things in Mobile. And the other thing I, I want to point out about Cody Schrader, seeing some of these guys up close, like in the sense of um, two guys off the top of my head that like just physically looking at these guys on the field, Tez Walker is real thin. Dude looks like a freaking scarecrow. So him not being physical in routes, you're like, okay, now I see why. But Cody Schrader, that dude from the waist down is, is built like he's got like a thick freaking legs, man. He's got cankles. Like the dude is absolutely just stacked as far as like thick legs where you're like, could we use this guy in gap runs or in the red zone and stuff? And I'm like, he's got tree trunks, man. Like he's not, he's not a skinny little dude. He's, he's short, he's squatty. And he's like, okay, can he churn out some of those hard fought yards? And I'm like, I think he can now. One, uh, one last guy I want to hear about. I think he got injured on the first day, but whenever he has been healthy at Marshall, the dude just put up some some pretty monster numbers. But what about Rasheen Ali? Like I said, obviously, I think it was the first day he got injured, but yeah. just any any general impressions on him from what you saw? Because what it sounds like, he was having a good first day before that injury. He was, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was a ruptured biceps that they reported um, after. Something or, like that, yeah. Yeah, and so – yeah, he he left. It was either after day one or or he got hurt towards the end of day one. He was on his way to having a good week, at least from you know what you could take away from day one. But I thought Ali was basically he showed a little bit more burst than I probably gave him credit for on film and things like that. His tackle breaking metrics aren't great. Um, I don't think he's going to be a guy that tests extremely well, like whether it's raw speed or short area agility. So. I think for what he was able to do in Mobile, he had he was probably able to open some eyes from NFL coaches, at least in the sense of could he be a round six guy, not a UDFA guy now? I think it's possible. Um, so I really hate that he got hurt because I think he probably was on his way to having a much better week and he could open my eyes more in that process. But from what I saw at day one, he had good moments, but nothing where I'm just like, you know, taking the tap uh, – the cap off and, and tipping the cap to him so and and by the way kev do you do you have like a you, you seem like you had to collect yourself a little bit after all the ray davis talk or was it cody trader am i missing something here it was it was, it was cody trader but i promised myself i'm not gonna <laughs> he's a mizzou guy i'm not gonna over well, tell me do you, do you like cody do you like him a lot i mean you tell me what are your thoughts on cody trader yeah i mean i i think that he's probably a day three guy i, I think more than anything mm -hmm. i felt like <clears throat> maybe he could carve himself out a role as probably uh, I don't want to say Danny Woodhead because he's not that small, but no, he's not um, that small, but, but he's thick, man. I mean, I think the story overall, I mean, he has an awesome story about, you know, you know, coming from where he came from, you know, and working his way Dude, through he, and leading. To, he leading was to such a good interview, like listening to him talk. One of the guys at media day asked him, um, I forget even the question that the guy asked him, 
but his answer was absolutely fantastic. He he went on this long like soliloquy about like if I want to get to where I want to be, then if I want to do special things in my life, my life is not going to be normal. It's not going to be like everybody else's. I'm going to have to sacrifice time. I'm going to have to sacrifice friendships. I'm going to have to sacrifice sleep. I'm going to have to sacrifice all these things to get to where I want to be. And I understand that. And I'm willing to sit here and put in the time and the effort and the sacrifice to do the things that I want to do in life. And I was like, oh, shit, man. Like, you're you're dude, like, I, I want to see you freaking do well. I want to see a team take a chance on you. I want to see you get your opportunity, man. And so, I mean, he's a guy that, like, leaving Mobile, I'm actively rooting for. Um, and I agree with you. Like, the one thing about Cody Schrader, like, entering the process after watching his film, I think coaches are going to love him. I think he's going to get drafted by a team in round five, round six, and coaches are going to freaking love him because he's so damn dependable and he's smart. You're not going to see him miss a hole. You're not going to see him miss a blocking assignment. Maybe he needs some technique and some work and pass pro at times and stuff like that. But he's a guy that you know is going to work his ass off. And nine times out of ten, he's going to do exactly what he needs to do on that play, the, the blitz pickup, whether it's reading the right hole and stuff. He's going to get what's blocked, maybe a little bit more. And if he shows out a little bit more of the pass game utility, again, I think an NFL team, whoever drafts him, is going to freaking love him. Yeah, but but he's, he's no Tyler. He's no Tyler Beatty, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> oh, jeez, that's the, that's where it came from. Yeah. Like, I, I talked myself Just for Tyler coming Beatty. for the throat, Cody. No, I'm not like... going to do it this year. With, with, I'll do it next year. I'm saving it all for next year for Luther Burden whenever he comes. Okay, okay, okay. Comes. Well, Luther Burden's probably a dude for like what, like going in like round two of the NFL draft. So, like, you're going to get the oh, no, Luther him. Burden will be a. Uh, I think he's going to be a top 15, top 20 pick. Here he'll we be. go. Yep. there he'll it is. Be. No, no, he, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I'll give Kev shit when he's wrong. He's not wrong about this. I mean, this isn't a Debbie show, but like he's the best wide receiver in the country right now, right? I mean, I mean, I, now where we stand, I think he's the best wide receiver in the country. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to push back on you. I think he's good. Anyways, all right, that that's a good segue. Speaking of wide receivers, speaking of wide receivers, (laughs) professional transitions here. First of all, uh, (coughs) like it sounds to me from everything that I've saw that. Lad McConkey, who great name, great name, sounds something yep. from like you know the eighteen hundreds or something. Uh, sounds like some shit somebody made up just to be a football <laughs> player, like some kind of like create a Madden player. Uh, it sounds like he had himself a weekend. Kiki Blinders week. character, and then also Roman Wilson also uh, came out and had himself a day and decided he's done. I don't need to do anything else. I've showed you everything yeah. you need to see, and uh, I'm leaving. And, and so. Were they the two biggest, you know, uh, guys that, or you felt like had the two best weekend of the, of the wide receivers, or was, was there anybody else there for you? Um, I think that they're the two guys that had the best week. I mean, I think like if you're looking at anybody's senior bowl ranks, how like you know where they entered the process or even leaving that week, like Roman Wilson and Lad McConkey, like definitely early in the, in the top three of that group. Um, Roman Wilson absolutely just balled out on day one. I thought day two. Uh, you saw some more of the limitations of his game. Like he was asked to run like perimeter routes more in the boundary, whether it was go routes, double moves, things like that. Like where I'm not going to say like he got jammed up, but you saw corners were able to get their hands on him and gave him problems at the catch point. So, but that's not like something like I'm not damning him or, and and you could say the same thing for lad McConkey, to be honest. Now I think lad acquitted himself to the, to the perimeter a little bit better 
I think he has a little bit more nuance to his routes as far as like using like whether it's shoulder fakes, pacing, things like that. Different things in his routes were I think he had more success in Mobile and he has a little bit more ability to play the outside versus Roman Wilson. But I don't want to take anything away from those guys. Like I think they they both had fantastic weeks in Mobile. I think um now depending on what mock drafts you see out there. Some of these mock drafts floating around because they're just now like fresh off of Senior Bowl week have basically the entire Senior Bowl rosters in the top two rounds of the NFL draft. I don't think that's the case. I think Vlad McConkey and Roman Wilson are guys that probably, in the case of Roman Wilson, probably a round four guy that bu- bumped up his draft stock to round three. I think Vlad McConkey's a round three guy. Maybe a team loves him and he's this year's Jaden Reed and he goes in round two. That won't shock me. I'm not projecting him there because as good of weeks as these guys had, and and again, I don't want to take anything away from them because they both had really good weeks. And I think if you're looking at, yes, they were the standout winners of the week and one-on-ones, team drills, and things like that, we also have to understand that, like, their profiles are not perfectly clean. Like, neither one of these guys have just standout profiles you know, whether you want to talk about breakout ages, dominators, all that type of stuff, you know, you know, nerdy stuff that we care about and how we evaluate guys like Roman Wilson's still a guy that in four years of college didn't earn more than 39 targets or finish with more than 2.3 yards per route run until 2023. So that also has to be mentioned in how we're going to project into the NFL. These guys, I think, are going to be solid wide receiver threes for NFL passing offenses. The guy that I think probably has a little bit higher ceiling because of his overall skill set is Lab McConkey. Like I could see him if everything works out perfectly for him, maybe he develops into a wide receiver two and a slot option and, and a team gets creative with him. Could I see that? Possible. Is that where I'm putting his median projection and range of outcomes based off of not only his profile but the week he just had probably not but i mean they definitely helped themselves and open some eyes um you know this week as far as if you're looking at who are the clear winners from mobile so real quick that was something i wanted to ask you d bro because I, I did see that there was a, a somewhat of an apology that was recorded and posted on twitter <laughs> from you about uh, about butthole. <laughs> about uh about roman wilson so it seemed like you were lower on him going into the week. i was so like how do you how do you balance being lower on someone and then they come out and like in this three-day limited sample controlled environment they they ball out like that like how do you balance like how far you move them up versus being lower on them going into it because that was something that like i like i i didn't watch a ton of roman wilson before this mm-hmm. and then i see all the hype about him I went and watched. Admittedly, I've only seen two games, so there's still a ton more I could watch. Mm-hmm. But the I watched a Purdue game where he was literally just wide open the entire time, had over 100 mm-hmm. something yards. And then I watched a Rutgers game where you were saying, you know, like if, if uh, DBs got kind of got into his frame, he, he like he had no answer for that. So like, how do you yeah. balance like because football is such a small sample size to begin with, and then you throw in something like the Senior Bowl that's a, a three day sample size, so just like kind of how you go about, uh, I guess, balancing that. I think so for me, it comes down to, I'm not going to trash and throw an entire evaluation where I've watched six or seven games on a guy and I've looked at his analytical profile. I'm not going to allow three days of practice 
and one-on-ones to make me just trash an entire eval. Now, when I watch a guy in Mobile, and there are varying levels of this, too, and I can definitively tell you no wide receiver in Mobile this year had the type of week that Tank Dell had last year or that Christian Watson had when he went to Mobile. Nobody, and I will, nobody had that type of week where literally it was one-on-ones every single day. Cornerbacks are getting cooked on a just, I mean, every single freaking rep. Like Tank Dell last year, corners didn't want to freaking match up against him. They tried to put their hands on him. He got past him. They tried to play off him. He burned him underneath. They tried to play, get up and press him. He took the top off the defense. Nobody could stay with Tank Dell last year. And the same thing was true when Christian Watson was in Mobile. Nobody had that type of week. So it's varying levels of not only are we matching up the type of week that they had in Mobile, but you match that to their analytical profile. And it's like, okay, like the profile is really damn good. Okay, this guy absolutely just smoked everybody in Mobile. Okay, you marry both of those things together, I'm going to be over the moon for the guy. But you also talk about, okay, well, maybe his analytical profile is so-so. He came to Mobile. He crushed. Then, okay, well, maybe I need to bump him up a tier or two or maybe two spots in the ranks versus some other players that didn't do good. Or if we're bucketing the same type of analytical profiles, whether we talk about breakout age, yards per route run, what they've done over the last few years, all of these different parts of pieces – do I bump that guy up one or two spots, or is that a tiebreaker on how I'm ranking him wide receiver eight versus wide receiver 10? That's the way I approach. I try to stay even keel with it unless a guy just comes down there and just absolutely crushes, and he's got this over-the-moon profile where I'm just like, oh, shit, well, you just got the whole package now, man. Like, now we're going to sit here and, like, I'm going to, st- I'm not stopping the hype train, you know? So, again, I didn't see anybody from Mobile, and it – the guy that uh, that I want – there's two guys that I want to sit here and highlight, and, and I don't know if we were going to get to them or not, but Javon Baker and Johnny Wilson. And both of those guys, those are the two guys that I was hoping came to Mobile and just said, this is my week. You all sit in the stands and you watch me. This is my week. These are my practices. I'm getting the hype. Screw everybody else. It's my time. And didn't really see that out of both of them. Javon Baker had more of an up and down kind of week. There were moments and flashes where I saw a lot of the things that I've seen on tape. He has a really good profile. And I did see parts or pieces of what I, why I'm so high on him. And I say high on him. Like I think he's got a really big upside if everything coalesces, but also I I have like a third round grade on him. I'm not going to go over the moon. I think he tests. Okay. I don't think he tests amazing. And Mobile, he was kind of up and down, like two or three of the days, like or at least some of the reps he would win and you would see the short area agility, the nuance in his routes, and he's able to beat guys underneath. Other times you would see they put him on the boundary. They ask him to run either a post or a go route up the, uh, the, the boundary and guys are hanging with him. But then he opens day three with a highlight reel catch. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. 
Shop now at Hero.co. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Which is littered on through his tape for Javon Baker. High pointed a ball over a corner in the red zone, and you're like, all right. Seen that before. I know what that looks like. All right, good to see it again. So that was proof of concept, but not a guy that I think blew it out throughout the week. And same thing you can kind of say with Johnny Wilson and, and a player that I entered Mobile hoping to see him work with tight ends. He didn't work with tight ends. And I kind of see why. Like, I, And this is not to say the guy can't play wide receiver. I mean, he's a freaking monster. Like the dude's sick. He's literally got the dimensions as far as height and weight of Darren Waller. And he's got special movement skills. Like a guy that is six foot six, 230, 240 pounds should not be able to move the way that Johnny Wilson moves. Now, some of the limitations of, or I'm not going to say limitations, like some of the parts of his game where you're like, okay, we probably shouldn't be asking you to do that, but you can do that in certain instances in the sense of like getting on the perimeter and stretching the defense and getting deep. Can he do that depending on the matchup? Yes. Is that something you want Johnny Wilson doing all freaking game and playing Mike Evans, you know, playing like being the Mike Evans? No, that he's just not Mike Evans. Like he's got good movement skills, borderline. I'm not going to say special movement skills, but he does move really damn good for his size. The part where Johnny Wilson and it was an incomplete evaluation because this still hasn't been reported anywhere is that he was doing really, really well in day two in the one-on-ones to begin the day. He had an up-and-down day one. But day two, he opened with the things that I wanted to see out of Johnny Wilson. He was physical through his routes. He got uh, – guys tried to press him, and he literally threw them off of him like like rag dolls and got open, and you saw speed and you saw short area agility that a man – again, a man his size should not have. Um, I mean, anybody can go to Twitter right now and pull up any film clip of Johnny Wilson and see exactly what I'm talking about. But he started off day two winning in one-on-ones and proving a lot of what I wanted to see in Mobile. And then he was a ghost. He didn't finish day two practice. And the best that I can come up with is that it was an injury. 
Now, what said injury was, I don't know. Nothing's been reported, nothing that I've seen. But he left in the middle part of day two practice, did not practice on day three, wasn't even out there suited up at all. And so I don't know what happened with Johnny Wilson. And the other part, and this is something specific to my experience in Mobile, um, is that Johnny Wilson, so the media breakfast or the media uh, setup basically where all the guys come in, you're able to go out and mingle through the room and talk to every player that's in there and talk to whoever you want to. Johnny Wilson was walking down the hall to the convention center where everybody was at and all the players were going and stuff like that. Literally started walking down the hall and I'm standing out there in the hallway trying to upload a video from the previous session. And I see Johnny Wilson because you can't miss Johnny Wilson. He's like the only dude that's like built looks like a skyscraper walking down the hall in a freaking hoodie. And I'm like, Oh shit. Well, good. I want to talk to Johnny Wilson. I'm going to ask him about what happened on day two. Is he hurt? Blah, 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 blah. And Johnny Wilson literally got halfway down the hallway, got stopped by somebody, then turned to 180 and took off the other way and never saw him again. Didn't see him on day three. Don't know what happened. I can only surmise him an injury, but I got nothing to report that's concrete that says he did get hurt. He saw you and said, fuck this. <laughs> it could be. Could be. He saw he's like, oh, you're not, geez, not doing it. I'm talking to that fool. Ugh, no way. <laughs> so what about how that feels. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna Let's ask. Take... No, go ahead. Go ahead, Cody. No, go, Cody, go ahead. Uh Xavier uh Leggett. Someone yeah. um looked like day one from what I was seeing on Twitter, just have potentially the worst day possible but day Bad. two uh you know had a rebound and had himself a nice day i still think there's some some things to like there obviously it was mm-hmm. disappointing he came in at 6-1 instead of 6-3 which is mm-hmm. which is so weird that we do things like that like with quarterbacks i get it right you know listed at 6-1 comes in at 5-9 i get it but like 6-3 to 6-1 for a wide receiver he still came in at over 220 pounds Still, you know, when you get him in open space, you can still see the athleticism he has. But um, for, for someone like him, what just your, I guess, just your your overall thoughts on on Leggett? I was lower than probably consensus on Xavier Leggett. Like entering Mobile, I wasn't, I wasn't extremely high on him. I think he's got some parts or pieces to his game that are good. Like you'll see physicality after the catch. You'll see. I think he's very inconsistent with his route running. He's in it very inconsistent as far as his footwork and gearing down and releases off the line and stuff like that. So there's a lot of parts are to his game that he's going to have to, you know, really work on some things at the NFL level. And for Leggett, like, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, go He had a terrible day one. Like he looked, he looked um, slow. He looked clunky in and out of his breaks on day one. And I was talking to this um, with the guys, uh, you know, everybody that was down there for FP, Thor, myself, Mike Mayer, our content director and stuff, Eric Froton did some stuff for us down there. We're all talking in the stands, and I'm like, dude, I think Leggett's, like, not fully healthy uh, because he entered. So on day one, they have all the, the the gauntlet stuff, like the agility stuff. Guys will warm up. They'll do, you know, like break down, go around cones and stuff like that. All the guys are going full bore. Leggett was not. And it's not one of those things, like, obviously he wants to freaking show out. He's not going to go a half speed if he's fully healthy. But the other part about that is he had a compression sleeve over his left lower leg the entire week. And then we saw on day three, he goes out with an injury and it was ported as an ankle. Who knows what it actually was. 
but he he did leave uh, day three with an injury and then just kind of watch the rest of practice. So I'll give it to Leggett. Like, I don't think he was fully healthy in Mobile. I think he gutted it out and tried to help himself as much as he could. Now, it wasn't cold down there, but it wasn't exactly like warm and sunny. It wasn't like 80 degrees and stuff. So whether it's a calf, whether it's anything else, soft tissue that was bothering him and it wasn't an ankle, then it makes a little bit more sense because he was slow. He did not look like the guy that I had seen on film on day one, but then he comes back on day two. He looks cleaner in and out of his break. He's he's getting separation on a more consistent basis. You know, day two is what you wanted to see out of him if you were a truther, if you're a believer in the skill set. And day two is what I wanted to see out of him to prove me wrong. You know, so I'm still kind of up and down on him. I still think that he's probably going to garner a lot of hype. He's probably going to get test decent. Like, But looking at his overall analytical profile and some of the other parts of pieces of, you know, just his week in Mobile, I kind of exit Mobile with how I entered. I'm like, uh, I'm probably not going to be as high on uh, as consensus is on him. I, and that's fine. You know, we're, we all have to take a stand on players and what we think about them. Was there anybody that you were going into the process that you were higher on that you came away lower on? Oh, man. Jacob Cowing. Like, he's the easy answer. I was sky high on Jacob Cowing entering the process and really liked his tape. I wanted to see, because if you look at his his overall profile and how he was used in college, first two years, downfield receiver, high A dot, and then the final two years, they neutered him. They dropped his A dot, used him in the slot, didn't use him downfield. He took a backseat to other wide receivers at Arizona, and he had a really rough week. Um, as a guy that I and I'm going to have to go back and reamend my evaluation because literally in the first line or two lines, first snippet of my eval for him um, in my primer for for Senior Bowl was he can play the outside. And now I walk out of Mobile and I'm like, he cannot play the outside at the NFL. He had a rough week. Corners were able to get their hands on him, push him off his routes. And for a guy that I was hoping he was going to enter Mobile and be able to have footwork and speed and be able to overcome the size questions about him, which those size questions just got even louder. In Mobile, those, those questions got turned up to 11, not only in – his performance or lack thereof immobile, but also because he's a guy in college. We'll be talked about this guys. He was listed at 5'11, 175, and he goes down there and he weighs in and he measures at 5'8, 165. And you're just like, well, shit. Okay. Well, now you go from we think you can win at that size to now you're even smaller. I'm watching you in practice and you're not as explosive as I was hoping for. And once corners get their hands on you, you don't have an answer for, and you don't have the raw speed nor the the tactician skills to be able to beat press or sometimes just to beat like physicality through a route, like a corner, like bumping you in the middle of your route and you're seeing him get jammed up. And I'm like, well, shit, like I literally just to let you know the 180 that I pulled on him. And we're talking about like entering the process versus leaving the process. Jacob Cowing, like how I ranked the senior ball wide receivers entering Mobile, he was my wide receiver too going down there. Leaving Mobile? Let me pull this up right now. Jacob Cowing was my wide receiver 
he was the third worst wide receiver for me. Like only Malachi Corley and Aeneas Smith were ranked lower for me. So I don't want to sound like I just took like like absolutely just burying the guy, but we talked about this earlier. How do you weigh that for a guy that I needed to to remain high on him? I needed him to answer the questions about can you overcome size and your limitations with the other bags of tricks that you have or the other skills that you have, whether it's footwork, route running, speed, all those things. Can you overcome your size? He can't. Dude, you gotta you gotta talk to me about Malachi Corley. He, he's someone who I, I haven't I didn't see anything good or bad about him in terms of his senior bowl, but he was someone who I, I really liked. I I thought it was a fun watch with his uh with that hilltopper tape. He's why a, he, uh, <laughs> why why so low on him? He's not he's not the next Devo Samuel. That's what I heard. I heard he was oh, the next Devo good Samuel. Lord. No, and that is that is so dismissive to Debo Samuel. I've heard that too, and I'm like, we're watching different guys. Like, the, I, the way, what, what uh, I, I saw that too before before I watched him, and I didn't come away with that, but like I thought the way that he was used kind of mimicked the way that like Jaden Reed was used this year with with the Packers. It's kind of like the, what I thought was like a better comp versus Debo. So the thing with Corley is is that. I look at him as being kind of a dime a dozen kind of guy. If you look at how he was used at Western Kentucky, the reason the Debo stuff gets brought up, and he's got a really good analytical profile, but again, we're talking about you marry the numbers with the film. I wasn't like just blown away by his film. Like I look at him, he's a manufactured touch guy. He He's built kind of short and squatty like a running back. And so, yes, people are going to sit here and say Debo Samuel. Like, I look at him as being like a poor man's Rondell Moore is the way that I look at Malachi Corley. Like, I don't think Malachi Corley, like when you translate a lot of the things that he was asked to do in college to the NFL, like, is he going to be able to, to produce the same amount of yak? Is he going to break tackles? Is he going to have – does he have the raw ability – to produce as well after the catch as he did in college. And that's my biggest problem with Malachi Corley. I don't think he can. And because I don't think he's going to test like amazingly well. Like I think he's going to test okay, but I don't think he's going to just blow it out. And you're like, Oh shit. Like, look at this guy. You know, I don't see that coming from Malachi Corley. I think that some of his numbers were helped by the level of competition that he played. I think that if you put him like whenever we saw him in senior bowl, I wasn't impressed that that much by his route running. I was able to see corners like we're able to jam him up at certain points. Um, and I know that he got voted, you know, whatever, um, bell of the ball. Like I know that I know that, you know, the, the, the players voted him that like, I take that with a grain of salt. Like I don't give a crap. Like, you know, you could tell me like, it doesn't matter who got voted what at mobile. That doesn't matter to me at all. Like I don't care. Um, I just don't look at Malachi Corley as his skill set transitioning to the NFL and being a guy that's going to consistently garner and earn targets and be able to win in the same way that he's won in college at the NFL level. Got it. 
Uh, last two guys I want to ask you about, just real quick, just brief thoughts on them before we jump over to tight ends and wrap this up. Okay. But just any any uh, any thoughts on Devontae Walker? I know I, I heard the the Scarecrow uh, comment earlier, and that that really broke my heart. I have him in a in a <laughs> deep deep Debbie league that I picked up uh, last year, and you know you, I just box score scouting, you know, crushed a Kent State. Obviously had some some big blow up games with UNC as well. But I did see that he was kind of similar to Cowing in the sense of like if DBs got their hands on him, he just disappeared from that play. So Devontae Walker, is there any hope for him at all? And then uh, Jamari Thrash as well. No, I don't have a lot of hope for Tez Walker. I look at Tez Walker as I the skills that he has is exactly the skills that I saw in Mobile and. He's an inconsistent route runner. Um, you look at a guy that, like, whether it's gearing down on short area routes, earning separation early or late in that aspect, he struggles with that. He struggles with physical, um, with physicality from corners. He struggles with drops. Like, he had spots in Mobile where it was either a slant over the middle or in traffic or a contested situation and he either would drop it or he wasn't getting open, but I, God damn it, Cody. Um, but like with Tez Walker, I just look at, he's a situational deep threat. Unfortunately, he's a guy that I think could have benefited. And I know he had a lot of the stuff with the NCAA probably wasn't realistic for him to go back to college. Think that he would have benefited from another year in college, but I think he's a guy that he's going to get overhyped. I think he's probably going to test well. I think that people are going to look at – they're going to look at his game and say, what could he be instead of what is he right now? And I have big concerns about who he is right now as a player and consistently winning in the NFL. Like, I just look at him as being – to me, he's a round four, round five guy. He's a situational deep threat. If he ever becomes more than that, I mean, kudos to him. I just don't project it. Uh, Jamari Thrash, I, I like him a lot. I mean – Again, we talk about these guys and saying, okay, how do we project you to the NFL? What is going to be your role? What are teams going to ask you to do, and how do you win? I think there's a, there's a good bucket of two to three different guys I'll mention here, and you can put all these guys in the same type of bucket, Cody, in the sense that can they be serviceable slot wide receivers in the NFL? Can they win underneath? Can they beat zone? Can they be – a reasonable wide receiver three or four on an NFL depth chart for a number of years. You could say that about Jamari Thrash. You could say that about Luke McCaffrey. You could also say that about uh, Marcus uh, Rosamie Jackson, who I think if we're looking at all of these guys, Rosamie Jackson is the guy that's going to come in. He's a lunch pail guy. He's the guy that's going to come in. And I really think he's going to surprise people and have like this eight or nine year career in the NFL be a consistent wide receiver four in a depth chart because coaches are again coaches this is not going to score us fantasy points but that dude blocks his ass off he has been top 15 in pff run blocking amongst wide receivers for each of the last three years uh, coming from a big uh a big program and stuff i think all three of those guys are going to be serviceable nfl wide receivers probably not guys that we're going to ever talk about and be like okay, they're top 36 wide receivers in fantasy every year. Maybe they're streaming options, but I think they're going to be really good NFL players. They're going to be good pros. Just they're probably not going to put up the box score stuff that we care about in fantasy. 
I think the only other guy that I guess you didn't talk about was Ricky Parasol. He's another guy that I felt like yep. a lot of people brought up. He had a good week. About. Yeah, he had a really good week. Um, I think so. Again, marrying the week versus the profile. Ricky Parasol's profile is rough. Like we're talking about a guy in 2023, 86th in yards per route run, 53rd in receiving grade, 131st, and this is all wide receivers with at least 50 targets. 131st in yak per reception. So Pearsall is not a guy that I think is going to just wow us and blow us away and stuff in the sense of like his production in the NFL. He had a really damn good week though. And he looked like the guy that I thought he was coming into the process. The thing about Ricky Pearsall is you can hang your hat knowing that he can do two things extremely, extremely well. And those are the really the, the trump cards of his game. He's a very damn good route runner. Thor got a chance to sit here and interview him at media day. And he, I mean, just listening to him talk about route running, setting up corners, things like that. Also giving a shout out to his dad, like, you know, helping him with uh, eye hand coordination, like basically tossing him balls when he was like, you know, at school age kid. Um, Ricky Pearsall is really good at route running and he's damn good at the catch point. That guy has some of the sickest damn catches on his college film that you will ever watch. There's one particular catch, and I'm, I think it was versus Charlotte, that he had this just monstrous catch, like a one-hander over his damn head in traffic where you're just like, oh, shit, well, he caught that? But you saw those types of moments in Mobile. He made a, a few really nice catches, showed off the route running chops. I just think Ricky Pearsall is a guy that, if you marry the analytical profile, which I re- I think really his analytical profile speaks to the fact of, I think he's an okay athlete, but I don't think that he's a special athlete. So I think that if you're looking at a limiting factor off of a guy that I think is a very polished prospect, he's a good route runner. Uh, all the scouts, or at least what he impart, Im- imparted to us, is that a lot of NFL teams are looking at him as a slot option. Can he develop and be a wide receiver three and a good slot option for an NFL team? Yes. Is he ever going to be a guy where we're talking about just he's blowing up in fantasy? I don't think so. But would that shock me that he has, you know, a Marvin Jones type of year one year? And and that's not a perfect comp. But like talking like could Pearsall walk into like an 800 receiving yard, eight touchdown season? And we're talking about him as a flash in the pan kind of guy. Yeah, I think he definitely could do that. Best right. wide receiver, just because. Sorry, because okay. you brought up the the dad helping thing. It's just someone mm-hmm. I I saw a bunch of split. Uh, <laughs> you gonna bring up Brendan Rice? On. We're gonna talk Brendan about Brendan Rice. Rice. Yeah. Just just quick quick thought on Brendan Rice. Yeah, for everybody out there, yes, Brendan Rice is Jerry Rice's son. Jerry Rice was a mobile. Jerry Rice was also very very awesome. He talked to a ton of guys, uh, both in the industry and stuff like on the sideline. Super nice guy. Um, but Brendan Rice. I think Brendan Rice is who Brendan Rice is. Brendan Rice is a a tall drink of water. He's physical through his routes, but he doesn't have a trump card asset where you're like, can he win at the NFL level against guys that can run with him and guys that can get physical with him? A lot of how you saw Brendan Rice win his reps in Mobile was a lot of upper body strength, a lot of fighting fighting through uh, physical coverage and stuff like that, and whether it's on whip routes or, you know, dealing with contested situations. He's not a guy that 
is going to win early and easy separation in the NFL. Like if anything, you're looking at a guy that he's going to have to win at the catch point. He's going to have to win and have the ability to late separate in his routes because he doesn't have like, he's got size, but he doesn't have like the special footwork at that size or special burst or speed. Like there's not a special quality to Brennan Rice to where you put him up against NFL corners that can also run with him and bump and run with him. That's a guy that I think is going to struggle to earn consistent separation. Is he going to have probably some times where he has a good game or they match him up? Like maybe they motion him into the slot and he gets on a nickel where he can show off that he's stronger than this dude. That yes, I think that's possible, but I don't look at the ceiling is not high for Brendan Rice. I look at Brendan Rice as being like a wide receiver for an NFL depth chart. All right, let's jump over to the or the tight ends. And was there anybody that stood out for you at, at tight ends? <laughs> Cody's alluding to the guy who won the week, man. Uh, at Theo Johnson easily had the best week amongst all these tight ends. Um, I think this tight end group uh, was very, I'm not going to say lackluster, but as far as guys where we're like projecting that they – test out the gym that they have these elite upside the type of players in the NFL none of those guys fit that bill none of them can Theo Johnson Theo Johnson had the best week out of all those guys he consistently won and in one-on-ones he caught damn near everything that came to him um again I don't want to get over the moon with him because he's also a guy that over the last two years, didn't rank any better than 29th in PFF receiving grade or yards per route run amongst tight ends with at least 20 targets. So I think his ceiling from a physical standpoint is a little bit capped. He's got he's a guy who I think probably tests decently well in short area stuff. Nothing that blows him again, like nothing crazy where he just blows out the gym and probably runs about a four-seven. Are those serviceable marks to where he can develop into um, a, a very solid, safe third, fourth option, tertiary option in an offense that can beat zone coverage and he could be an underneath guy. Yes. I don't think that he has the raw speed and the ability to like threaten down the seam. Um, so I think that his upside in the NFL is probably capped. He's probably going to be a much better NFL player than he is for fantasy. Um, fantasy purposes, I'd say Ben's not – or however you say it, Sanat, Sanet. Uh, I always I kept butchering the poor kid's name the whole freaking week. But I think that he's the guy that if we're going to look towards the fantasy angle for any one of these tight ends, he's the guy that kind of stands out to me. And I pushed back about this whole thing about like people kept talking about the entire week with him. Like, is he going to be an H-back? I don't think he's going to be an H-back. Was he used in that quality uh, in, in college? Yes. But that's only because he can block his ass off, man. He 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 can really freaking block. And you saw some of that same usage out of Pat Fryermuth when he came out as a prospect. Penn State put him as the lead blocker and just asked him to go maul people and steal souls on multiple running plays. And the same thing can be said for him. So Sonata is a guy that, like, my comp for him coming out was Dalton Schultz. I think that he could develop into being a trusted uh option in the passing game and he's honestly the guy that if we want to peg any one of these guys for fantasy upside he's the guy that i would mention because again we're talking about the analytical profile 2023 amongst all tight ends with at least 20 targets he was 10th in yards per route run ninth in pff receiving grade and 
I also want to work in one more guy here. I feel like was one of the most disappointing guys of the week for me. Jaheim Bell. I just bad week all the way around bad week. And, and when I say bad week, I want to quantify this. Did he win his routes? Did he win certain one-on-one reps? Did he look okay in team drills? Yes. In that sense, he did not face plant. Where Jaheim Bell comes up shortest, and I don't want to really make a pun there, but I did. As a guy who was listening in college at 6'2", 6'3", he measured in at 6'1". He's a tweener guy now off of that measurement. You're not going to play consistent inline snaps or be an every down tight end in the NFL level at freaking 6-1, especially when you don't have that type of trump card athleticism. It's like, okay, fine. Could you be a big slot? Could you be a move tight end at 6-1 if you're like a damn mega athlete and you can create after the catch? Jaheim Bell's a guy when I – I mean, look, entering Mobile – he was the guy for fantasy purposes I really, really wanted to see and I was so enamored with because if you look at his profile, I mean, the guy, it, the numbers jump off the freaking page. Like in two of the last se- three seasons, he's been top 20 in both yards per route run and receiving grade. In each of the last three years, amongst all tight ends with at least 20 targets, he's ranked inside the top 12 in every single year over the last three years. He's been top 12 in yak per reception and missed tackles forced. So I was like, well, shit, is he going to be like John O. Smith? Is he going to be a guy where maybe he has some move tight end? He's a fantasy viability. And then he goes in and he measures at 6'1". And I'm like, oh. And then he goes out there and he looks okay, but he doesn't look explosive or sudden in his routes. And you're just like, okay, never mind. I'm out. Well, Kev, did I just like bust your Jaheim Bell bubble? Like, I mean, you you look very distraught. No, I mean, I I don't think the tight ends. It's like there's a couple guys in my mind. Yeah, they were okay, not great. I think it was a very kind of grouping of tight ends this year, to be honest. Better NFL players than they're going to be in fantasy. Last thing before we get out of here, I feel like every year for the past, like, four to five years there's been like a small school offensive lineman who's just an absolute mauler who comes out of nowhere who ends up getting pushed up into like early day two type of draft capital. Oh, you, like you're you're talking about the the, Co- the Cody Mock uh yeah. corollary? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we didn't have that this year. Was there anyone yeah. I, I I did see some uh some JPJ love uh, but yeah, obviously he's coming, coming out of Oregon. Was there no other like small school lineman this year? No, I mean, as far as the whole small school factor, I didn't see any small school linemen. I saw the JPJ love. He looked good in one-on-ones. I didn't watch a ton of the defensive guys and the offensive line guys. He's the guy that did stand out to me in drills that I saw. Um, But really, as far as like small school guys, there really wasn't a lot of like just small school in general. The only small school guy, just if we want to look like the entire umbrella of small school guys, the only name I'll bring up out of all the small school guys, just all the positions all overall, is Isaiah Davis. Uh, coming out of South Dakota State, uh, which we could call, you know, that's Pierre Strong University. You want to talk all that Tucker Craft University or Dallas Goddard University. All the same place. Isaiah Davis had a really good week. Um, he looked really explosive. He's got the size. Like, he's he's 
six foot two twenty ish, two thirty ish, somewhere around there. So he's a guy that I could see like working his way into like the early down thumper part of a committee, uh, committee. Um, a guy that showed more explosiveness, good physicality through his runs, and honestly more smoothness in his pass game routes than I gave him credit coming out of South Dakota State. So out of any uh, small school guys, he actually he actually made some noise on Mobile. Shout out Alex Kappa too. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Excuse me, Alex Kappa. I should have I should have let off with that name, Cody. I'm sorry. I mean, I, heard, oh, I heard, sorry, Trey Lance University too. We can go there. <clears throat> I mean, I heard Darius Robinson just crushed it. Chris Abrams drained, just crushed it. You know, it's pretty much Mizzou down there, just showing out all weekend. Oh, just so. just all Mizzou, yeah, kid. yeah. Yep, Javon Foster as well. You should you should have just come down there and done just a straight Mizzou podcast, man. Why, where, just, where, where you at? Like, where, where, I should at? I should have. Next year, I'll get my credentials. I'll be down there. You should. Be a good time, man. It, it does. It does sound like a good time. So I guess probably like so. I guess what does because uh, we I guess we could let off with this, but like so when you get down there and everything. Like it feels like mm-hmm. it's also like a lot of networking going on. Yeah. In the evenings, I'd assume you go tie one on, maybe have some drinks, whatever. <laughs> is, that, is that is that correct? Yeah, it's very correct, dude. Um, so I love Senior Bowl every single year. It's um. It's a wonderful and it's a tiring experience. Um, it is the entire week. It's fly in, stay out till about 1 or 2 a.m. Um, usually you're closing down Veets, which is like the, the local watering hole or one of the other bars. And whether it's um, this year, not as much. Like there's been previous years where like I'm sitting at the bar, you know, however many <clears throat> drinks deep. Uh, talking to whether it's scouts. Uh, last year, I was talking to multiple coaches from the uh, the Carolina Panthers in their secondary. Uh, you're sharing Ubers. Um, shout out to Ray G. I think he shared an Uber uh, flying in there with Mike Vrabel um, to Mobile. Um, so, I mean, dude, it's just, it's a really great week. You, you meet a lot of high profile people, whether it's um, Oh God, just name dropping here. Uh, two or three years ago, met Dan Marino uh, in passing in the hotel, and I was like, "Oh shit, it's Dan Marino! It's Dan Marino!" Had to stop and do like the fanboy thing, get the picture, and you know, have the moment and stuff. So it's a really good networking opportunity. I mean, you meet everybody from whether it's NFL media personalities to um, scouts, agents, players, um, positional coaches. Um, <laughs> Deuce Staley, watching him get a hit on by a lot of the uh, local folk in Mobile was a lot of fun. That was great, especially at 2 a.m. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's a really fun week. Um, it's much fun. I mean, it's kind of one of those like work weeks where it's like work hard, play hard, you know? So you're out to 2 or 3 a.m. at the bars. You're up at 7 a.m., you know, getting ready to to hit practice and stuff the very next day. So by the time I come home, Usually on Fridays from Senior Bowl the last few years, I'm sunburnt and I'm tired as hell, and I just want to take a, like a full day long nap. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Well, you're out there doing the Lord's work, you know, get all this information. Trying, baby, so, trying. Yeah, you know, we 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 appreciate it. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, yeah, I didn't say one negative thing about you this show. I mean, no, you didn't. What did you hop off the show a little bit earlier just so you wouldn't uh, say something negative to me? Because I mean, I felt like like 
that was a self-imposed timeout, Kev. Well, I mean, there was so much talk about Cody Schrader. I really <laughs> had to, you know, I was getting a little hot, a little bothered, you know. Well, I noticed you came back. Are you wearing any pants now? I mean, you I wasn't know, wearing can't... pants to begin with. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> that, but but uh, yeah, so, I mean, you're more than welcome on Thursday night if you have no plans. You know, we're doing the DFS showdown uh, Super Bowl slate with Maddie. You have nothing Whoa. going on. You're more than welcome. Then I'm sure there I'll tell you your name. Okay. Okay. All right, marking it down on the old calendar. Well, that, that's that's good because that's uh well, that's our next show. We got that on Thursday night, the DFS show. Um, you Love know, it. maybe you know, I don't know, even Cody, if you want to jump on, you know, we can. Talk, I think we might. We'll probably talk some props and stuff because you know there's not a lot to talk about with Showdown, so just kind of make yeah. it a whole, a whole, a whole thing. You know, uh, for the last game of the year, for, you can bet. Uh, you know, colors of Gatorade, how long the anthem is, depending on what state you're in. Um. Can we, can we get an over-under on how many nude laps that Kev runs around his neighborhood if the Chiefs win? Um, I'm, I'm personally set, I'm setting the line. I'm going to do it with a hook, uh, two and a half. Um, National Anthem, I don't under, know how long that is. Under. Under? 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 You don't think he's yeah. going to make two and a half laps around the neighborhood before the police get no, him? No, I think he's I got think, more I wheels think, than that, Cody. Come on. I think, Kev has one, I think Kev has one good lap in him, and then he, he's... Oh, and then he's wheezing in his front yard yeah. about to throw up? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's probably, that's probably fair. Hammering right? the under. Well, I mean, okay, okay. Let, let's quantify this. Nude laps around the neighborhood, but you can wear shoes. I mean, you know, like just, just the only thing you're wearing is, is a pair of high-top Nikes, you know? It's Crocs. Put them in the uh, <laughs> put them in sport mode. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. No, if, if, if it's if it's if it's Crocs, I'll take the over. Anything else under <laughs> the whole neighborhood sitting like somebody is sitting in their living room. It goes to commercial, and all you hear outside is Kev running nude laps around the neighborhood, and all all you hear is the those Crocs are working overtime, baby. All you hear is squeaking, squeaking the whole night. <laughs> you probably also hear the balls slapping against the. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna go there. I wasn't gonna go there. I was looking uh, back and forth in my head. I'm like, am I gonna say this? Should I say? He this? went there. Oh, he went there. It. He went there. That man went there. Oh. Anyways, Jesus. yeah, we'll be doing that Thursday. On that night, note, so, yeah, yeah. On that note, let's professionally transition out of it. <laughs> so, anyways. D-Bro, as always, appreciate you coming on, talking with us, uh, giving us some good information for, uh, you know, the Senior Bowl. We'll definitely have to get you back on at some, time, at some point so we can do our annual uh, meet. Oh, the, the annual how my ranks are stupid and Kev's are better? Yes, we have to do that for Dynasty purposes and prospects. We have to. Yeah. To, to way. yeah. So we'll do that. So I appreciate it. And uh, I guess we'll see you Thursday night. So just come back here for the, uh, the big Super Bowl extravaganza around here. Uh, for the last showdown and, you know, talk some, maybe some, some player props, some bets there. So, uh, somebody drops like $35,000 on, on, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, any, uh, being the first touchdown scores so paid out like $980,000. I'm like, I wish I could have that kind of money. You can just throw it out. Oh, so Kev's going to have a new house. <sighs> Bet and all day. So anyways, all right, let's go ahead and get out of here. I uh, hope everybody has a good night. We'll be back in Thursday. See you then. Bye.
card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.